Hello, thank you for signing up to Max Fun Drive and in doing so getting access to some BOCO bonus content. Um, so this one is the uncut recording of a live show we did last year and we did actually release some of this as an episode so I was in two minds as whether to put this on the bonus feed but I think actually listening back to it there's a lot of stuff that we ended up cutting out um, just to keep it to time. So this is about twice the length of the episode that went out and I thought some of you might like it. It's got more of a kind of live vibe, like at the beginning I'm kind of doing an introduction and because it's pandemic times I sort of really haven't spoken to anyone apart from my girlfriend for about two years and I'm quite overwhelmed and <laughs> doing quite a bad job. But yeah, you, you can uh, you can work out if I'm doing a bad job or not. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking it up here, am I? I think it's really good fun. And um, also, if you'd rather watch it with your eyes, I've also put up the video um, from that live show also up, um, which you can find... I don't know how you find the, the bonus video contents. I think that it will be on the Beef and Dairy Network bit of the website, of the Maximum Fun website, but it'll say like bonus content, you click on it and you'll have to give a password. Um, but if you have any trouble, just get in touch and I will sort that out for you. So anyway, I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And thanks again for supporting the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. You are the best. Please welcome to the stage, it's your old beef pal, Benjamin Partridge. <laughs> It's very nice to see you all. What a, what a, it's so good to be in, in real life doing real things again. Um, thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit overwhelmed and excited, really. What am I meant to say? Um, thank you for coming. Uh, this show hasn't begun yet. This is like, um, you might call it a preamble, I guess. Um, hello to you down on the floor. Hello. Hello to you above. Uh, and also, you might not be aware of this, but we've got people watching on a live stream from anywhere on earth. Ooh. Apart from New Zealand, where I, I, I made it very clear that they weren't allowed on the live stream. They said, oh, it's impossible, the internet's everywhere. We know that's not true. Um, so what that means, really, is that down here, there's a big screen that you can't see that I can, where I can see what the people on the stream are writing. Um, and already, it's, it's just filth. It's just... <laughs> um, and I want to say to the people on the stream, in general, I won't be reading this. <laughs> Deb Saunders says, hi from France. Hi Deb, let's keep going. Uh, Shirty says, hello from Los Angeles. Hello. Uh, someone called Michael just writes the word lamb. Uh, <laughs> I think that's gonna be a bit of a theme probably on this. I mean, I won't be, I'm trying not to look at this as much as possible now. Um, now, give me a cheer if you've heard the podcast before. Good. Now, by way of a cheer, if you haven't heard the podcast before. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying you're going to have a bad time. 
Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. It's not as if this podcast is just, like, sewn together in jokes that don't mean anything to anyone else. It's not that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, any live show I I do, um, I like you you to go home with a bit of knowledge. So even if you don't enjoy everything that happens this this afternoon, um, there's still... You can take home a little nugget. um, And it is that. The dictionary.com... In the dictionary.com definition of beef, uh, the plural is listed as beeves. Beeves. So whatever happens, you've got that, you know. <laughs> um, also, I guess, like, to keep... How, how many did we have who who'd not heard the podcast? It was maybe, like, four or five poor souls who've been dragged here by their wacky boyfriend. Um... <laughs> Just to keep you up to date, like the things you might need to know to appreciate what we're going to do this afternoon, um, I guess the main one is we work on a kind of four-meet system, so um, it was established in the 1958 edition of um, the Livestock and Meat Situation, um, where, of course, they split every meat into a, into a four-meat category with uh, beef, lamb, uh, chicken, of course. To begin with, there was just three, actually, um, and then in 1968, I think it was, there was a, a new edition of the... Uh, Livestock and meat situation, where of course they, uh, int- they introduced pork as, as a meat. So, and you can basically um, sort any meat product into these four categories. So, um, for example, venison is, uh, of course, forest beef, correct. Um, some of you ahead of me there. Um, rabbit, he- hedgerow, pork meat, uh, goat, mounted lamb, turkey, robust chicken, pheasant. Posh chicken, quail, weird chicken, fish! Now you're asking. Can a fish be sorted into the four meats? Now, some people say no. Some people say yes. Um, there's a lot of work being done by scientists at the moment. This is, this is not necessarily law. This is not necessarily canon. Where do you think we're putting tuna? You think it's chicken? Because it's chicken of the sea. There's a brand in America called Chicken of the Sea. You're wrong, I'm sorry, it's a kind of beef. I'm, I don't make the rules. I think, because you can get a tuna steak, so, you know. Uh, and then, of course, um, salmon is pork, and prawns are lamb. So, it's very simple. Yeah, I'm getting up to speed now, I hope. Could there ever be a fifth meat? No, 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 my sweet, innocent child. So, um, the show today is going to be... Oh, let's see what they're saying on the stream. It's just all nonsense. It's just, you've been online. <laughs> it's all, you know... Ooh. Ooh. Um... Now, what I'm going to do is, it's going to be like a recording of the show. This will go out as a show, so it's going to be like a recording. Um, and in order to do that, um, we will, of course, need a cast. And so it's time to introduce you to today's cast. And um, first of all, I'm going to introduce you to a man who's already on stage. It's Dave Cribb, everyone! <laughs> How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, it always feels weird introing myself. But apart from that, I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine. This is a brand new. This is a brand new Steinway. 
and we're doing this with it. <laughs> so I'm having a great time. Whenever Dave does, does a gig anyway, he says, I'll do it as long as there's a box fresh Steinway for me to play. <laughs> How much would you say that's worth, um, Dave? Someone asked me that earlier and I didn't know and then I should have looked it up and now I still don't know. But, but in, the, in the region of? Oh, hundreds of thousands of pounds. I'm sure. Really? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Like Is anyone a piano salesman? Someone down here says, about 200 grand. That's as much as a parking space in London, am I right? <laughs> um, wow, and do you reckon it's insured? We're gonna find out. Oh. <laughs> Um, and uh, let's, in let's bring on our next cast member. It is all the way from Swansea, where you can buy a house, a very big house for £200,000. It's Nadia Kamal! Hiya! <laughs> uh, Nadia, it's a great pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you for coming and doing this. Now, since you did, the, you did the last live show we did, it was about two years ago. Since then, something big has changed. Don't read what they're saying. I know, it's so distracting. <laughs> something big has happened in your life. Mm -hmm. Which is? Um, my dad gave me my mum's jewellery. <laughs> She's become a doctor. She's now a doctor. <laughs> She's a hero. A hero of the pandemic. Like podcasters, in a way. Kept going, didn't we? Didn't stop. Because there was nothing in our way. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I, I look forward to this recording. <laughs> Sorry, I've not really spoken to anyone for about 18 months, so it's quite, it's quite hard. Yeah, I might revert back to my accent I had when I was five, now that I'm in Swansea. So you moved back to Swansea, you were living in Nottingham, yeah. you're back in Swansea, it's a lovely town. Yeah. Uh, and you showed me a video of yourself <laughs> at the age of five, and you had a lovely Swansea accent. Yeah. I nearly sank to the bottom. <laughs> oh, it's sweet. So I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, okay, let's uh, bring on our next cast member. It is Mr. Henry Packer. Hello. Hi, everyone. Cool. Uh, Henry Packer. Smart. Smart jacket, smart tie, smart shirt, smart trousers. Smart dude. Yeah, I fucked up with the shoes. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going for a game of squash after this. I'm you? going for a game of squash after this. <laughs> um, with a couple of big time players in the city, going to sort of do some deals and um, <laughs> talk shop. You know, got a file of faxes and um, yeah, probably um, come up with some ideas for some businesses sort of opportunities <laughs> um, and stuff, yeah. Great, uh, thank you for being here. No worries, mate. Please sit down. Okay. <laughs> and finally, Mr. Mike Wozniak. Hello. Hello. Hello, live streamers, hello. Hello. Don't look at what they're saying. Okay. Uh, hello, Mike. Hello. Are you having a nice afternoon so far? Lovely, lovely old time. Yeah. 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 Taking it easy, really. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> did I not tell you about this? No. What did you think this was? I, don't know. I thought we were having a scone or something. <laughs> you I thought you were taking me out for a scone. Uh, anyone got a scone? I can sort it out later. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe someone on the live stream could audio us on, on Deliveroo to arrive here before the end of the show. That'd be sweet. Yes, please. So I think it's time to, to start the show. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> before we start, though, we've been given water. It's very important to have water when you're performing like this. But they're in a can, so that's going to pick up on the microphone. So can we all open our water at the same time? I need to open my water. I know one hundred, really. Now. Who's drinking? Right. Um. Let's start the show. So, um, without further ado, here we go: the Beef and Dairy Network. Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by the Leather Prince, the latest vehicle from Mitchell's Trucks. If it's not Mitchell's Trucks, get back in the truck. But not that truck, the Mitchell's truck. Mitchell's Trucks are the world's only vehicles that use no fossil fuels at all, as they are powered exclusively by the byproducts of agriculture. Fecal slurry. Old silage. Surplus placenta. A dead vet. Whatever it is, put it in a blender, wang it down the pipe, and watch your Mitchell's truck turn it into pure horsepower. The Leather Prince is the only truck currently on sale worldwide that comes with leather seats, leather interior, leather wheels, leather mirrors, and a leather windscreen as standard. But it's not just about luxury, it's also safety. Upon impact, an airbag made from the soft and pliable skin of a bull scrotum will inflate, shielding your head from the blow with that cool, supple, bollock leather. But don't just take our word for it, here's a happy customer. Hello. My name is Douglas Armand. I'm a retired badminton coach from Salisbury, and I bought a leather prince earlier this year. When I picked it up, as I was driving it out of the dealership, I couldn't see a thing because of the leather windscreen. In less than 30 seconds, I had ploughed through a garden centre. I was pumping the leather brakes, but they weren't doing anything. I careened through the garden centre and only came to a stop when I smashed into the ponds and water features section. As I sat there, my legs broken, pondweed and koi carp slowly filling the footwells, I rested my head on the soft, inflated bull scrotum bollock leather, and I felt a calm I'd never felt before. A sort of ultimate relaxation. That lasted about 10 seconds, and after that it really was hell. Worst day of my life. Thanks, Douglas. I see Koi Carp in my sleep. They're screaming, why, Douglas, why? Thanks, Doug. Do, do you think Koi Carp can feel pain? Shut up, Douglas. Please, please, please. Safety. Power. Leather. That's a leather prince. With its giant engine, if you hit a fully grown bull with your leather prince, the vehicle will punch a hole in the animal and keep driving without any drop in speed. And remember, if you do hit something, just keep driving. Even if there are witnesses, it's unlikely they saw who you are through those wet leather windscreens. So, for 10% off your leather prince, use the code one day, my child, you shall be a very leather king. (laughs) 
and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. This edition of the podcast is a very special one as it's being recorded in front of a live audience here at the annual Great British Cattle Bazaar, the world's largest livestock sale. The beginnings of the bazaar can be traced back to pre-Roman Britain, when a Celt gave a Pict a calf in return for an axe, and the idea of capitalism was born. <laughs> the Celt then used the axe to kill the Pict and get his calf back, and the island of Britain was plunged into a mire of rancour and infighting, which continues to this very day. <laughs> By the 20th century, the bazaar had become the biggest sale of live animals in the world, bigger even than the, than the Chattanooga Hognanza, and the Moscow goat auctions. On this one weekend alone, over 40,000 cattle will be sold to the highest bidders. And it's not just meat beasts. Over 200 million litres of sperm were sold in this very room only this morning. It's st you can feel it in the air, can't you? This room, this very room, has seen its fair share of drama over the years, including the sale of the first million-pound pig, a 200-kilogram sow who had just swallowed a Fabergé egg. <laughs> and who can forget the great heifer crash in the late 80s, when, after disappointing returns here at the bazaar, buying a heifer was actually cheaper than not buying a heifer. <laughs> in what economists called the reverse heifer death spiral. The value of a heifer against not having a heifer kept falling more and more until ordinary people were forced either to pay not to have a heifer or have a heifer. <laughs> this led to a number of knock-on effects. The number of heifers abandoned on public transport rocketed. And, sp <laughs> and specialists predicted that if numbers continued to rise at the rate seen in late 1989, by 1991 there could be an unlimited and infinite number of heifers on the British transport network what experts call the ultimate heifer horizon. <laughs> Good luck trying to get a commuter train when all the trains are full of an infinite number of heifers. So, of course, the government had to step in with a fiscal stimulus, a bailout plan, and ultimately, bus conductors armed with bolt guns. <laughs> what I'm saying is that what happens here in this very building has a huge impact on the global economy. Now, most people think that the 2008 financial crisis happened because of something to do with subprime mortgages. Not true. An appraisal of the data shows that most crises are strongly correlated with, with when the cost of an average dairy cow costs more than the price of a week away for a couple to a southern European holiday destination, including meals, with an excursion to see a ruined Roman amphitheatre. So, we can see here on the screen <laughs> the 20th century. Um, so it happened, you can see, in 1914. That's when you got World War I. Again, it happened again in 29. Wall Street crashed, World War II, of course, happened there. And then later, of course, in 1970, Simon and Garfunkel separated the height of their fame. Great shame. And then in uh, 1992, the demise of the Big Ten P. <laughs> so, it's time to welcome our first guest. He's a friend of the show, a leading bovine arse vet who became, the, who became most well-known due to his popularity of his... I'll say this again. Now, our first guest is a friend of the show, a leading bovine arse vet who became most well-known due to the popularity of his tease... Oh, my word. Now, our first guest is a friend of the show, a leading bovine arse vet. Do you know it's a leading bovine arse vet? 
Now, our first guest is a friend of the show, a leading bovine arse vet. You try saying leading bovine arse vet in front of 300 people. It's actually quite easy. Now, our first guest is a friend of the show, a leading bovine arse vet who became most well-known due to the popularity of his TV series, Vet in a Helicopter. He's been coming to the bazaar every year for the past 20 years, serving as the in-house vet. Please welcome bovine arse vet, Bob Truscothic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bob, thank you much, uh, so much for coming to speak to us. How are things with you? Last time we spoke, things weren't going so well. You'd uh, been... Well, well you'd been struck off. You, you know, we cover this. You can't be struck off if you've never been struck on. Yeah, well, yeah, we, yeah, we did cover this. Um, you were living eventually, for some reason, in, uh, on an oil rig in the North Sea. Yeah, but an abandoned oil rig, so it was roomy. Um, lots right. of facilities. Some of the vending machines were still working. Um, yeah, but, but I, I've, I've managed to make it back to dry land uh, now, thanks to some, some fair winds and a, 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 a life raft I finally managed to, to fashion out of... Um, some dead men's clothing, essentially, and uh, that worked quite nicely. Uh, so things things are very much on the up. Yeah, good. And when you were living just on the things in the vending machine, mm. quite a frazzles-based diet, I imagine. Frazzles for the first week, very much, uh, and then uh, some sort of uh, it was a gone-off uh, pork pie um, that I made my way through for about two weeks, and then uh, Snickers for about three months, I'd say. Well, you're looking good on it. Thank you. Um, you're here at the bazaar. But you're not really meant to be well, here. I, well, no, I'm, I, I think I'm meant to be here as much as, uh, as anyone, really. I've been, I've been the official vet of the bazaar for the last 20 years. I'm, I'm part of the furniture, really, I would say. Well, you, you were the in-house vet for the past 20 years until... Mm-hmm. Yes, I think, well, I think presumably a clerical error. They, 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 they didn't invite you back to they, here, did they? They didn't invite me back this And instead year. they employed a different vet called Mike Gontelman. Gontelman. You know Mike Gontleman? I know Gontleman. <laughs> With his degree. <laughs> smug ass. Yeah, I mean, there's smug ass and then there's qualified vet, isn't there? Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a Venn diagram there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's got a very different philosophy to you, I, I'm, I'm aware. You're quite ass first, really, when yeah. it comes to veterinary issues. I don't know if Gontleman... The, the arse is where the cow begins and ends, you know? <laughs> it's the window into the cow's soul. Uh, you, can, you can read an arse in a way you can't read any other part of the cow. He's faffing about with hooves and teeth, if cows even have teeth. Who cares? <laughs> it's a waste of time. He's a charlatan. Yeah. What kind of jobs... Do, why does the Bazaar need a vet, an in-house vet? What kind of thing are they looking out for? What kind of thing are they... Oh, well, I mean, obviously all kinds of things can go wrong, you know, because there's, I mean, there's thousands of uh, beef units here hmm. um, and all kinds of other units. The, the, probably the main thing is, is it's all about um, self-esteem, really, I find. You your, big... your self-esteem or the self-esteem of the calves? Mostly the, mostly the calves and the heifers, because they, particularly if, if one gets uh, auctioned off for a lower price than it was anticipating, for example. Uh, tricky. So there's a big sort of sports psychology element um, and I guess you'd kind of rally round and go, do you know what, I think you're a great heifer. Well, that's, and that's important pre-auction as well, because if the, if the, if the, if the farmers are seeing that they're, they're looking despondent, the cows, then they know they're going to go for a low price, because they're, they're not going to have that bounce on the field, which is what you want from a cow, you know. 
You want it to lift your spirits. So how do you lift a cow's spirits whilst going arse first? Well, if, if a cow is despondent, often the, you've got to go to the root cause, and often the root cause is, is the arse. Um, sometimes a, a cow will think that it's been poorly auctioned because it's got a, a, a sub-performing arse. Sometimes a cow will forget that it's got an arse at all. <laughs> and you have to show a cow its own arse. <laughs> Hall of um, Mirrors type thing, or hmm? Hall of Mirrors? Hall of Mirrors is, yeah, I mean, a very simple Hall of Mirrors. Hall of Two Mirrors um, <laughs> will do, generally speaking. Um, but they're, they're, they're a community, they're social animals, so sometimes you can get a bunch of, uh, of, of cows to, to look at another cow's ass, and then you put them around, and they converse with the other cow. I mean, obviously, they're not using words, but they convey somehow an appreciation of the ass that you've just shoved their face into. Um, and that tends to lift their spirits, I find. And of course, the people coming to the bazaar, I mean, many people here will be here to buy cattle. Mm. They may have been here this morning for the sperm sale. They may be here later, um, you know, for the, the hogs and things. Mm. Um, what are they looking out for when they're looking for a good animal? Are they looking uh, after well, first? I would just say on the subject of self-esteem, I would just, you know, if, if you don't fall into the trap of looking for arse tears, okay? Because it's probably a temporary problem, okay? And it can be fixed. Okay, so dab them away and um, look at that cow in a different, different light, I would say. So you're saying that in, a, in an auction situation, you shouldn't be alarmed if a cow is crying out of its arse? No. No, I think that's a lot of people's sort of initial instinct is to be deeply, deeply alarmed at that sight, uh, especially when they're really hosing. Um, and some of the more melodramatic cows have, can use, use their hind quarters uh, to sort of, uh, to sort of uh, pad their arse with a handkerchief uh, something probably only see once every 10 years or so but actually w what people don't realize is that's a display of happiness and happiness and great skill yeah yeah <laughs> now i need to address the elephant in the room um you've been involved at mm. the bazaar for 20 years yeah. this year you're involved in a in a rather darker side of the bazaar as people well. will know there's the official bazaar which takes place in this building and then there's the the kind of fringe well, events. The fringe, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the fringe is a burgeoning scene. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily darker, necessarily. Well, well no, because the, the official bazaar, that focuses on meat beasts mm -hmm. or, you know, pre-meat. Mm -hmm. Jizz. Uh, jizz, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, buffalo milkshake. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we have, yeah, you're right. There are, but I mean, but, but you're, you're on the fringe where, you know, yeah, there anything are some, goes. There are sub-beeves there. There are pseudo-beeves. There are non-beef beeves uh, as well. So you do have to be a bit canny if you're on the bazaar, certainly. Um, but there's a lot of innovation. Because you've well. got your own stall on the fringe. You're selling your own product. Yes, yeah, just on the other side. Of the, you've probably seen the big meat luge um, that someone's doing... <laughs> Uh, Gerald Handyman is doing. I'm just by the side of that, um, and I've, I've, I'm, I've got a new product. Um, I've got uh, bovine bovine arse drones. Um, is what I'm trying to uh, trying to sell at the moment. How does a, a bovine arse drone or a rectal drone? Mm. Um, how does that differ from a regular drone you might buy in? You know, I don't know, Ryman's or. Well, it's sm smaller for a start. Right. Uh, it needs to be arse proofed in a way that um, y your Ryman's drone doesn't need to be. Mm. Um, and acid-proof. It's, it's mostly... I'm hoping one day it'll be used therapeutically and diagnostically. At the moment, it's mostly for farmers who've... You know, it's the, it's the old beef vault, isn't it? It's where a lot of farmers still now, and for generations, will keep uh, valuables, uh, family heirlooms, um, wedding albums, that sort of thing. Um, quite burglar-proof. And, uh, you know, they're normally very safe there, but 
about one in eight cows will do something called a reverse peristalsis, uh, where the, the heirloom will get sort of, sort of, uh, sort of reverse ingested up the, the, the stomach chain uh, right into the cows. So to try and retrieve those things. That's how I'm trying to monetize it initially. Well, I came, you, you did a, uh, an incredible public viewing of this, mm. of this thing yesterday. You might have seen me. I was, I was in the crowd. I was, I was in, in disguise because I didn't want, well, you know, I'm a journalist. Uh, I didn't want you yeah. to know I was there. I was dressed as an old crone. Oh, right. Yeah, we, I had a lot of crones in yesterday. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and when you got it out, when you got out the rectal drone, like yeah. the hush and the, the feeling of anticipation was incredible. Yeah, it went really well. Well, did it go we really well? Because leave it there. I, I, I don't know because from where I was standing or, or crouching, um, it didn't look like it went all that, that well because... You know, maybe you can tell everyone what happened. Well, the drone went in. Well, a, the first drone went in. Yep. Yeah, and then it, it didn't. Well, unfortunately, it was, it was a reverse peristaltic cow, so that, unfortunately, the drone did get sucked up into the sub-stomachs, and so I did have to then send another drone in to try and get that drone. And, um, yeah. you know, we can, we can leave it there, if you like. Because the second drone, that didn't come back out either, did no. it? So then you sent in... 14 more drones, yes. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it was, it was a memorable event, I think. Well, it was certainly memorable because once the 14th went in, the cow began to sort of levitate because there was so much... Yeah, which is not my... The one thing we didn't anticipate it was starting to suck quite a lot of air in through the mouth of the cow and then back out. It sort of turned into sort of Harriet Jump Jet type thing and it did... And, and I'm, where my stall is, there isn't a roof, there's just a bit of tarpaulin, really, and that, that sort of gave way in seconds. Um, yeah. So it was... It did become airborne. Yeah, and from where I, where I was standing, it looked very much like it was going into the airspace of London City Airport. So it was, yes, unfortunately, yes, it was. And, and I, think, I think that's, unfortunately, I mean, this is the modern age we live in. It did ping a protocol of sorts. Um, and uh, uh, jets were scrambled uh, from RAF Northolt. And um, unfortunately, the, the cow uh, wasn't able to respond to their... Uh, requests for identification uh, or their insistence uh, of an immediate landing because um, she was a cow she wasn't really set up for that um, so uh, the, the second the, the cow floated over uninhabited uh, space um, they, they did shoot it down uh, with a, a short range air to cow missile yeah an event which was uh, captured internally in pinprick 4K quality video. Yes, uh, yes, the cameras on the drones were all functional. I probably should have switched them off. I didn't really realise yeah. I wasn't thinking at the time. Um, Streaming live onto Facebook. Yeah, but it shows that at least the cameras work. That's something, isn't it? From the, from the demo, there's always a silver lining. And can survive a missile hit. So, it's, you know, they're well-made well -made bits of kit. Thank you. Well, um... <laughs> I don't know if anyone, if anyone on the live stream has any questions for Bob before he goes. We might have to... I mean, again, it's complete nonsense down here, but let's see what uh, the people on the live stream... Any questions? If you're on the live stream and you have a question for Bob, just write it in the little chat box and, uh, and we'll see what, see what Bob has to say. Um, so far, it's no, just all nonsense. Uh, mm. Come on, guys. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> this is very 2021, isn't it? Slightly, um... I mean, it's, it's fair to say that they're not that interested in you, are they? I mean... I think they're, um, I think they're watching a different show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, don't let that trouble you.
Okay, there is, there is a question here. there's a question here we can ask to wrap up your interview. Can you sense a cow's emotions through its arse? It's the only place you can sense a cow's <laughs> emotions. People make the mistake of looking into the eyes of a cow. Everyone knows the eyes of a cow are incredibly alluring and, and beautiful, but all you'll see there is, is a deep inner peace, which is often not the case. You have to, you have to, you have to read the arse. I will, uh, actually, next weekend, I will, I'll be running a seminar on, uh, on uh, sort of cow ass map reading uh, for emotions uh, on, on Zoom uh, for only, only £19. Um, uh, that'll be at 7.15 in the evening until 7.30-ish. Um, so sign up. And all four emotions that the cow can experience. All four emotions. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I've seen it done. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Rage, fear, joy, and jealousy. Yeah. Right, well, um, everyone, please thank Bob Truscothic. Thank you. Now, it's time for your letters. This month, we've been inundated with your correspondence on the topic of what's the most milk you've ever drunk in one go. <laughs> Barry from Swindon writes... Years ago, I went on holiday to Croatia with my wife Mandy and my son Paul. Someone at work told me that uh, they don't have normal milk over there and that it's all f fizzy like lemonade. Didn't like the sound of that one bit, so I, I packed my hand luggage full of carrier bags that I filled full of milk and sellotaped shut. Then we got to security and they said that we weren't allowed to take any liquids through. Well, I wasn't going to throw it away. There must have been 50 litres of the stuff. <laughs> so, more, more to make a point than anything else, I, uh, I decided to drink all the milk then and there. It felt okay uh, until the plane took off and we reached altitude. Uh, at the moment where the atmospheric pressure changed and everyone's ears popped, uh, a number of my internal organs ruptured uh, <laughs> under the strain of all the milk. <laughs> and, um, and my abdomen burst like, uh, like a goldfish in a bag dropped on the way home from uh, Summer Fate. Anyway, all's well that ends well. I had a lovely time, uh, and I highly recommend Croatia. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> Mandy from Swindon writes... A few years ago, I went on holiday to Croatia with my husband, Barry, and my son, Paul. While we were there, my husband, Barry, got a real the milk that they have out there. To me, it tastes exactly the same as the stuff we have at home, but he was adamant that it was creamier, and so he wanted to take some home with us. I said to him, well, we won't be able to take it on the plane, and I knew that because on the way over, he had been forced to drink 50 litres of milk at airport security and later burst, like a watermelon thrown off a roof. Anyway, he's a very forceful man, is our Barry, and, and sure enough, uh, we arrived at the airport laden with milk. Uh, in fact, he'd made me throw away my wheelie suitcase and had replaced it with a, uh, a milkmaid's yolk, uh, which he'd taken off a wall at a restaurant. Well, sure enough, the security guards told us we either had to drink it or pour it away. And of course, after what had happened to Barry on the incoming flight, the task fell to me. It must have been 70 or 80 litres of milk. But, you know, once it was finished, I felt okay for a moment. Uh, but then a security guard gently patted me down and 
I burst like a hot, dead beached whale left in the sun. I woke up eight months later, and even though the doctors had told him again and again that I was not dead, Barry says he believed that I was, and that's why he started a relationship with my sister. Milk ruined my life. Thank you very much, Mandy. Oh, P.S. Croatia. Oh, it is gorgeous. I really recommend it. Thank you, Mandy. And finally, Paul from Swindon <laughs> writes, When I was 18 on a family holiday, my father drank 50 litres of milk in an airport and he burst like an overripe tomato thrown at an underperforming mayor in a Spanish town square. He then forced my mother to do the same on the return journey. I swore I wouldn't be like him. From that day on, I would never drink a single drop of milk. But then life got stressful. Life began to bear down on me. And my dad was shagging my aunt and kept saying that my mum was dead even though she was alive. My girlfriend had the bright idea to help me calm down with a trip to the local city farm. Petting the goats, I did begin to feel to chill out. But, but then I was introduced to the cows and I was overtaken by an overwhelming need to suck those udders. I can't remember anything, but I'm told that I drank over 40 litres of milk until I blacked out. I'm told that by the end the cow was all thin and looked like a big tall cat. Anyway, it's all character building, isn't it? Croatia's lovely, by the way. Paul. Thanks, Paul. Right, now it's time for... A special live version of the Beef and Dairy Network's weekly live quiz web stream. Of course, normally to play Beef Call, you'd have to wait until a Wednesday afternoon and then call the Beef Call number. For many months now, the Beef Call number has been... One. That's right. That's right, one. It's been one for a while. But that has led to absolute chaos. A combination of the cost of calling the phone line, which is a pricey 85 euros a minute, and the sheer frequency with which people butt-dialed the number has led to many people becoming financially ruined. Luckily, there's a great place for them to win back their money. And that's Beef Call, which, is which has reverted to its older number, which, of course, was...
Sammy Graham, everyone. Now, let's get on to playing Beef Call. Um, we're going to need a volunteer from the audience who wants to play Beef Call. Come on, somebody stand up. Yes! What, what's your name, sir? Dale, stay there, just stand there. I think a microphone will be brought to you. Now, Dale, this is good news for you because you are potentially in the running to win 100 million pounds. Okay? Now, how this is going to work is, we're going to show you an image, but it's covered up. We'll take away parts of the, of the cover so you can see smaller, small bits of the image. And if you can identify the image, you'll win the money. Every time you get it wrong, uh, your total goes down 40 million. Okay, so it's worth, getting it, it's, worth getting it, it's worth getting it right at the beginning, because then you've got the full 100 million. Okay, so, so um, let's bring it up. So, uh, let's take away the first bit. There we go. Any guesses? Any guesses? For 100 million pounds? I have absolutely no idea. Come on, have a guess. Beef? Let's see. Sorry, it's not beef. No, you're now down to 60 million pounds. Let's try again. So let's... For 60 million pounds... Next one. Any guesses for 60 million? Anyone? Teapot? No. Let's have a look. No. No, for, for 20 million. It's not chicken feet at this stage, I know, but let's see. For 20 million. <laughs> Any guesses? Just one. It's what? Less cheese. It's not less cheese. It's a good. It's a good guess, though. Okay, next. So we'll take it down. So now, for this, if you get this right, you'll only owe us twenty million. That's all you'll owe us. Twenty million, you're out of here. So for twenty million, here we go. Any guesses? No, he's looking. A wall. A wall. No, sorry. So for six. If you get this one right, you'll only owe us 60 million. There we go. Final guess now, Paul. Final guess. A floor? A floor? Looks like a table in the corner. Any other guesses from the audience? Is it the actor Ted Danson? It's not the actor. Don't, do not use that man's name in this room. It's not Hyundai I-10. It's not a cow's anus. It's not Sidonian. You, you have been listening, haven't you? It's good. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. It's none of those things. I'm sorry, Dale. It's a potter's wheel. It's a potter's wheel. So you, know, you, you owe us 100 million. Is there? Um, well, backs. You can do it on backs or... Thanks. Thanks, mate. All right. Something that the proprietors of the Great British Cattle Bazaar are very mindful of is beef buying fever. We can, uh, we can put down the lights on the audience now. A phenomenon where people become addicted to the feeling of purchasing large quantities of beef. To combat this problem, they've commissioned singer-songwriter Samuel Renouf to write a song that communicates the dangers of beef buying fever to the public. So here he is, singing his new song, I Spent All My Money on Beef, 
It's Samuel Renouf. I spent all my money on beef again. I've emptied out my bank. I've spent all my money on beef again. I've got nothing left in the tank. I sold all my clothes and my furniture to buy some morsels of meat. I've got acute spinal curvature from carrying my fleshy treat. I took out a loan from a guy in the pub, 20 grand, and I've spent it on beef. And if I don't pay him back swiftly, he threatens to break both of my knees, my knees. He threatens to break both of my knees. I've spent all my money on beef again. I emptied out my bank. I spent all my money on beef again I've got nothing left in the tank The loan shark snapped off my knees today Round the back of the pub He tied my arms to a picnic bench And battered my balls with a club He buttered a copy of War and Peace And shoved it up my arse he cut off my toes with a cheese wire and kicked my teeth onto the grass. He put my hands in a toaster and plugged it into the mains. Then he took an ivory corkscrew and screwed it into my brain. He covered my legs with raspberry jam and emptied some bees on top. Electrocuted my buttocks, ran a lawnmower over my cock. I've spent all my money on beef again. I emptied out my bank. I spent all my money on beef again. I've got nothing left in the tank. So do I have any regrets, you ask? Was it worth all the grief? I'd do it again in a heartbeat It was worth it for all of that beef I'm your Renouf! Wow. Ran a lawnmower over your, over your cock? Yeah. Prop, prop like petrol job or like... More painful than it sounds. More painful yeah. than it sounds? Can you believe? Wow. Like, was it like a ride-on one or like a flymo? It was a like... Mitchell's lawnmower. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be doing a collection at the end for uh, Dave's area. <laughs> now... It's time to meet someone who's appeared on the show a number of times before. A former bovine poet laureate. He left the country many years ago after a run-in with the Bovine Farmers Union, which came to a head when they sewed a cow's face onto his face as a punishment. Please welcome Michael Banyan. Hi. Hi there. 
Michael, welcome. It's great to see you. Always mm. great to check in with you. See yeah. how the see how the face is doing. Yeah, it's looking incredible. It's kind of dark, mm. like right. a dark walnut colour now. That's right. It's got it's it's completely matte, isn't it? Now it's got no shine whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's got um, this kind of deep patina that you might right. get in like a mm. like an old leather armchair that you know you might find in a sort of a country house. It's got that kind of feeling to it. Yeah, lived in but still comfortable. Um, might, you might just want to sit on it and play Scrabble with a nephew, that kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. really lovely. Yeah I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And I read recently that you've um, mm. been able to stop having the 21 daily injections as well, in, because your original face has actually stopped rejecting the cow's face, which is amazing. Yes, a beautiful moment. They've really, um, yeah, they've, they've completely fused. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, no, no, no more injections. Um, I, um, I just have to be... Um, my face has to be uh, pummeled, pummeled in by a, um, I use a, a Ukrainian ex-professional um, wrestler. Um, so you've still got to keep it supple, obviously. So he just, yeah. he, just, yeah, he pummels my, uh, my face for about 15 minutes every, every morning. Great. Um, and, uh, but I'm hoping those days will be behind me soon. Well, we'll get on to that. Yeah. We've talked about some of the shady dealing that happens mm. at the, the, the Bazaar's Fringe, as, uh, as Bob told us about. Mm. You know, Bob's rectal drones, of course, but then there's all the other stuff that we haven't mentioned yet. That, you know, the, the, the big sacks of black market sick crabs you can buy, um, the gambling that happens over fights between pigs covered in razor blades. It's, you know, it's a, mm. it's a dark place. Not for the faint-hearted, yeah. No, yeah. And, and as a poet, I know that you've mm. always been drawn to this fringe. You know, you're obviously mm. drawn to the darker the parts dark of side. society. Yeah. In your book, Crab of the Land, you wrote about the time you saw someone selling a bag of drugged mallards to a hooded Prince Edward. Mm. And of course, you then went on to write the poem Prince of Beaks. That's right. Um, so you've been drawn to this area, but I believe you've become slightly more involved in the Fringe this year, and you're actually, you've actually sold something there this year that's, that's very valuable. Yes. Well, I have sold my cow's face. Yes, I know. A lot of my fans have become attached to the cow's face now, uh, but it's not my actual face. I, I still maintain that. The cow's face is still on at the moment. It's it? still on at the moment. Yeah. It's still, yes, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's but it's not mine legally. Right, I see. So, so it's te so technically, I'm actually not allowed to be wearing this face. It's quite an unusual legal situation. <laughs> but this is not my face. So it sold last night. It sold last night at auction. At auction. Um, now, I guess the big question that everyone will be thinking is, why would you? Sell your own face. I know, it's, it's yes. Is it a money problem? I mean, what's the... Financial, yeah. It is financial because, you know, uh, you know the fate, yeah, it, it has fused my own face. It's become, you know, I feel like it's, it's I feel like it's my face now, but, um, but financial, I hit some, I hit the skids, basically. Because you're making, year. you know, people was, will know you're making so much money from your Jumanji podcast, Jumanji CWS. Absolute fu fuck ton. Yeah. Absolute fuck ton. Um... <laughs> Uh, from Jumanji CWS, yeah, could woulda shoulda. Um, the interviewing people who could have been in Jumanji but weren't. That's right. Uh, yeah, or would have been yeah. in Jumanji but didn't want to, yeah. Yeah. or should have been in Jumanji but uh, just didn't have the idea. Yeah, yeah, never thought of it. Um, massive, massive podcast. Um, uh, not just fans of Jumanji, just uh, if people that could or would or should have done anything, pretty much actually started to find oh, really? it quite interesting. Okay. Uh, but we had some legal problems with uh, Jumanji woulda shoulda coulda. Which it turns out uh, predated two, us. Ah, those two Irish guys. The two Irish guys. Yeah. Um, but um, I, may, I may maintain that the emphasis is very different in our podcast. But um, uh, so yeah, that was a problem. Um, 
but um, but still, you know, I was I was I was still riding high. Um, I mean, I was doing extremely well. I was eating. In, I mean, I was eating in Pret a Manger three times a week. Um, and I was actually in a Pret a Manger when I was approached um, by a man from Netflix. Ooh. Yeah, big big fucking deal. And um, he uh, wanted to. Uh, he suggested um, working with me. Right. To create the first ever massive binge-worthy, you know, you know, talk about TV box set based on a book of, uh, of poems. Right, and he approached you based on Crab of the Land. Wow. And I mean, I, who'd? I mean, just cheer. Who'd want to see that? Yeah. yeah. It's a great idea, and and also I could see he was eating a posh cheddar sandwich, so um, you know, I, I could tell he meant business. Oh, he approached you. When you say he approached you, he approached you in the press. Oh, he, oh, yeah. We were both in the press. Yeah. Right. I see. Because that's where Netflix deals get done, I imagine. I assume so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- this guy approaches you, says, we're going to make, we're going to turn you into a TV star. Yeah. Um, so why, you know, why aren't you a TV star? Well, um, <laughs> there my troubles began. There my troubles began. Um, I, uh, well, you know, we chatted instantly. We both knew who had to play me. I mean, I don't, do I even need to say it? I mean, the finest actor of his generation, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Right. Uh, we, th- we both said Giamatti at the same time. Right. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, and, um, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, Sam, we bagged, we bagged him. Obviously, he was, he was dying to work, to work on this project. Giamatti was very excited. We bagged him. Um, signed the contracts. Everything was ready to go. First day of filming, we had Giamatti. We'd bought the chair. We'd bought the, um, the, um, the fireplace uh, and um, a copy of the book. Oh, so you weren't really sort of thinking out of the box with it. It was very much just reading it out. Pared down was what we thought. Right. Giamatti, armchair, fireplace, a copy of the book. Let Giamatti's magic, you know, just sure. happen. Don't get in the way of the words and Giamatti. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, first day, the lawyers turned up and uh, it turned out that Giamatti had signed an exclusivity deal for 15 years... Uh, with Jonathan Franzen. Oh. Yeah, uh, my nemesis. Um, so Jonathan Franzen was making his own television series. Jonathan Franzen had signed a deal with Amazon to make the, uh, the most ambitious uh, box set of all time, a 24 box set series. So 24 times 24 series, each of which... Has 24... 24 episodes. episodes. And how, um, long, how long is each episode? Um... 45 minutes, yeah. just to really make the maths that, that much harder. Um, but shit, shit, shit ton of minutes, shit ton of minutes. Um, and um, this was, it was a very ambitious uh, writing project. This was all, this entire box set was all going to be uh, telling the story of one night out that uh, Jonathan Franzen had with Kajo Iziguro in 1997. <laughs> right. right, so 24 series of 24 episodes, yeah. all about one night. In molecular detail. Right. We're going to go into this... Um, I mean, it's quite a famous evening. It was the evening in 1997 when um, Franzen and Ishiguro went to see The Verve at Wembley Arena. <laughs> um, got, uh, it got completely hammered on wine. Mm. And um, then after the gig, decided to um, go to... Uh, well, get in a minivan with um, Martin Amis, who had just... I mean, this will be covered in the series, but Martin Amis had just sold London Fields and he used the, um, the advance to, to buy a minivan. Um, <laughs> So the idea was that Amos was going to drive them all to the um, big yellow storage company in, uh, in Acton, um, which they were then going to proceed to fill with piss. That was, um, store this, 
store this, store this piss. Um, was what they were chanting as they drove up, uh, as, as they made their way there. Um, luckily, Salman Rushdie got wind of the whole thing. He, um, as it happened, used the same storage company to store a lot of his, uh, a lot of his uh, spare pens. Um, so uh, he, in, he informed Interpol. Uh, luckily, Ishiguro and, uh, and uh, Franz were both taken down with, with tranquilizer darts before they could get to the, um, before they get past the lobby. Um, and actually, interestingly, uh, the next day, uh, uh, Kashiro Ishiguro woke up in, in hospital and had the idea for uh, Remains of the Day. Um, which he then started writing. And it was only six months later, he was about halfway through the book, when it, it was pointed out to him that he'd, he'd already had the idea and, and written the entire book. Um, in, uh, in 1989. So... Wow. So it's, it's a great story, a story which needs telling. But um, and Paul Giamatti was and Giamatti and Giamatti was going to be playing was, Franzen. Was going to be playing Franzen. Yeah. Right. I see. Who's uh, playing? Who's playing Martin Amis? Uh, Salman Rushdie, actually, weirdly, because he oh, dabbles. Okay. He, he dabbles in acting now. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, the, the, legally, the issue was that Giamatti was was was, was spoken for. Um, so um, I mean, I was still very keen. Uh, I still wanted Giamatti. I desperately, desperately wanted Giamatti. So uh, we came up with a solution because we were pretty sure that Franzen hadn't signed the digital rights for Giamatti's image. Okay. So what is loophole? Basically, the, the, the idea was we'd we'd um, we'd get a, um, a a digital avatar, essentially a, a digitised Giamatti, right, um, to play the role, um, uh, you know, with green screen, using an actor using green screen, and um, you know, the uh, mocap with the balls on mocap technology yeah. with the balls on suit. Yeah. So who? Yeah. Who did you get to wear the suit and do all the to, to, to make the Giamatti move? Paul Giamatti. And that was overreaching. I realised that that was right. that. Legally, I was asking for it with that. Um, right. It turns out we weren't allowed to use Paul Giamatti. There was a contract thing. I went through it with the lawyers. I was desperate for the for the performance to at least be based somewhere in in, in, in Giamatti. You know. Um, so so we, we we were pretty sure that Franzen hadn't signed Giamatti's puppetry rights. Right. <laughs> So at that point, so then we hired, we hired um, uh, just um, a, a neutral, uh, a, some, uh, a neutral per, sort of person to, to wear the suit, right? Which is uh, someone who's Giamatti, a Giamatti neutral actor, yeah. so someone who neither looks particularly like or unlike Giamatti. So Paul Giamatti's the, the perfect. Well, Paul Giamatti would have been <laughs> ideal. Yeah. Um, but we, so that actor was wearing the suit. Giamatti was then fifty feet above that actor on, on a, um, as, on a, a as a puppet master, as a pu pu puppeting it. Yeah. Long story short, actually, Franzen, we, we had, had, he had bagged the puppetry rights. Um, because, um, so because, of course, in his series, Ishiguro is a puppet. Ishi exactly. He's paid, by a puppet. He, he's paid by a puppet throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, well, well, CGI puppet. A CGI puppet, yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so the point is, um, what we managed to do was we managed to use a legal loophole, which is known as mocap um, dilution. Okay. So what, what happened was we set up um, 49 um, computers with 49 boffins. Each of, each of them was uh, programming a different um, Giamatti avatar whose motions were based on the motions of the mocap from the previous avatar. So we had 49 of those in a row, and the 50th was actually Paul Giamatti, and that pushed us just beyond the dilution pro where we were allowed, legally allowed to use him. So your, your performance was kind of like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy yeah. of Paul Giamatti. Exactly. And right. therein lied the problem, which is uh, through every iteration, Giamatti's performance degraded. 
Uh, turns out, if you degrade uh, Giamatti's acting by a factor of uh, 50, you end up with, uh, with Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> which... And, you know, I mean, Sean Bean reading poetry, I mean, that's like asking a, a pig to, op to open an envelope. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Um, it's just not going to happen. It's just it? not going to happen. No. Um, okay, so... So the long and short of this is... The long and short of it is I'm now, uh, I'm now being sued by Paul Giamatti and 49 avatars. Um... <laughs> A Paul Giamatti, um, and of course those avatars have bottomless pockets, um, and they've, they've, they've put together a, a legal sort of dream team of uh, avatars of um, great uh, orators from history. Oh, right. Horace, Cicero, <laughs> William Hague. Right, okay. So, yeah, so I was in the shit financially, um, and... Um, so you decided, well, the only thing for it is to, to auction your face. Auction my face, yeah. Now, well, we've come. all been there. We've all been we've in all that been situation. Yeah. But yeah. how did you know that your face was valuable? Because it, you know it's nice enough, but mm. you know why? Well, the thing is that um, it turns out that uh, that face leather is, uh, in fact, the, the softest leather on earth. Right. Um, and uh, it's very, very highly prized by very, very, very rich people uh, because face leather, because obviously the human face has more muscles than any other um, face. Um, than any other animal face. Uh, so, so with the cow's face, obviously you get the cow leather, you get the durability of the cow's leather, but you also get the suppleness, because, because this cow's leather face has been operated, essentially, by all of my uh, human facial muscles. And the, you know, the human face has, has over a million expressions. You know, it's just not just you know, it's happy, sad, but you know, even things like, you know... <laughs> is that Doberman wearing a rucksack? Yeah. Things like, you know, so there are so many iterations, whereas, whereas you know... A cow, a cow only has two facial expressions, uh, sad and dead. That's right. So, so the fusion of the two faces means that I, I am wearing the most, the most sought-after, the most deluxe five-star uh, leather on earth. Yeah. Right, and, and you, you auctioned it last night. Yes, indeed. Um, tell us a bit about the, the place where you were auctioning it. It was a dark kind of place. The dark, uh, shadowy place. Yeah, because yeah. you were part of a, a... It wasn't just your face being auctioned. There was a number of... Well, they, were, they were called sort of livestock curios, weren't they? There was various That's things. right. That's right. Um, yeah, so I, was, I, was, I wasn't the first lot. There were various lots um, at this auction. And yeah, and it was sort of strange, sort of, yeah, freakish sort of uh, curios from the animal kingdom, which obviously billionaires adore. Um, you know, there was, well, there was things like, there was, you know, there was a five-headed cockerel. Um, there was a five-bodied cockerel. Um, there was a horse with two heads and no body. Um, uh, there, was a, there was a cow with the head of a different cow. That one was... Um, you had to sort of take that one on trust, but there was a... Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, it did come with a certificate uh, that, uh, allegedly signed by both cows. Um, <laughs> there was uh, a barn owl with, the, with a human forehead, uh, square hen, pig with a sunroof, uh, shrimp with the head of a prawn, um, a crab with the mindset of a lobster, <laughs> um, Donkey with a gear stick, octopus with hooves, uh, a beaver who could play the flute, and uh, the penis of Edward the Confessor. <laughs> so it was quite. Uh... And down there, there's a you know the world's billionaires with it because these are things are highly prized by some of the richest people on earth. Oh yeah. The people you had down there. Yeah. Know, I've, I've heard the you know. Oh. Creme de la creme. Oh, it was the creme de la creme of you know of the richest people on earth. I mean, it was, it was extraordinary. Obviously, you had your Bezoses, obviously, you had your Zuckerbergs, but you know there was also the uh, the Kleenex billionaires, Timothy and. Timothy and Jimothy Kleenex. Um, 
Roy Taft, the plexiglass magnate, um, the Pritstick heiress, Jemima Pritstick, who um, actually wasn't, her, wasn't wearing her lid. It was quite unusual to see her. Um, so her soft, gooey head, sort of cranium was, was fully exposed. And her neck was, was uh, fully extended so you could see the mechanism. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. Who, who was it who, in the end, actually, actually did pony up and buy your face? Well, um, I'm pleased to say that uh, I, I, in the end, my face was uh, purchased by someone whose ethics um, chime with my own. Because, you know, um, that's very important to me that this went to a... To a good home, ethically. Yes, yeah, so, so I'm delighted to say that, that, it, uh, that my face was bought by uh, Siberian petrochemical billionaire, ex-KGB enforcer, Oleg, the one-man pogrom Petrovsky. <laughs> yeah. And what, what's, his, what's he going to be doing with your face once it's unattached? Um, I believe he's going to be uh, getting uh, a Leathermeister to uh, craft it into a USB stick uh, pouch um, for, for his niece. Right, great. Yeah. Now, obviously, the mm. face is currently still very much attached to your human face. Mm. I believe um, you've been in talks with various people to... You know, obviously, this will be a very complicated uh, surgery to go through. I mean, it's, it's very rare that this happens. Yes, well, as I said earlier, the molecules have, have fused very, very deeply now. So we're going to need... Uh, it's going to need extraordinary skill. Yeah, there's absolutely no question. I mean, it's going to need, you know, a combination of, of, of a sort of... Well, obviously... a brilliant surgical genius will be needed and someone that is a master both of, mo of sort of molecular science and handbag technology. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, he's, he's here tonight. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's Bob Jaskovic. <laughs> I'm giving it a go. Going to give it a go. So, Bob, you're, gonna, you're mm. tasked with uh, taking off Michael's face and mm. revealing his old face. Mm. Um, have you done anything like this before? No. <laughs> uh, is this the kind of thing that they, they, they teach at vet school? I mean, of course, well, well, you didn't go to vet school, did you? That's no, thing. very much self-taught. I mean, I have, uh, I've peeled, um, I've peeled a, a, a wasp's face off before and uh, attached it to a, a blue bottle uh, and then tried to take it back off again and um, the whole thing came to pieces um, pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, trial and error... Yeah, cool. I mean, I guess what it, what it comes down to is, like, there's a chance, isn't there, that you take off the cow's face and under there is just some sort of salty liquid. Mm -hmm. How confident mm -hmm. are you that Michael's original face is still there underneath the cow's face? I'm about 50-50, so worth a go. It's possible there's just a sort of blank space, uh, like a sort of knobbo chart, something like that. Which um, you could draw a face on for me, could you? Exactly, or? yeah, well, I'd get someone else in for that, I think, probably. Okay. Um, and, and Michael, do you feel in yourself that your face is still there under the cow's face? <laughs> it's very hard to, it's very hard to feel your own face from the inside using only your skull. <laughs> very hard, not something we often have to do. Um, you know what, I like to think it's there. I mean, I've, uh, scientists and experts have told me that it's unlikely to be there, but I like to think that it is there. And not only that, I think this is a time to really think about what is a face? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and how many faces do all of us have? I mean, how many people can really say they've only got one face? Do you know what I mean? There's the face, there's the face we project to society. There's the, the face we use when we're looking for things. <laughs> um, there's the face uh, you know, we, we use when we're 
when we're thinking. There's the face we, we present to a loved one. There's the face we present to a lover. There's our cyber face that we, that we present online. I could keep listing faces. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is very profound stuff. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're you're right in a way. We, we all have metaphorical faces, but mm, just exactly. to be clear, you do have two faces, and we only have one. In my case, I do literally have two faces. Yeah, that yeah. is that is true. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very profound, and I, and I believe, Michael, you've actually um, written a song about this very thing. I have, and you'd like to perform it for us this evening. I would love to sing it for you. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I let's uh, let's go. <clears throat> Right, I'll stop you there, Michael. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I'd say it. I wasn't expecting you to have such a sort of high, almost female voice, really. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, that does surprise people sometimes. Yes. Yeah. No, it's because obviously my, my human voice is being refracted through the through the cow's face, which changes the um, the wave pattern. Right. So that so, was the cow's face singing. Really. It was. Yeah. It was. Yes. It, that was the cow's face. Yeah. But but channeled my my, my emotional energy. Yeah. But the cow's face. Wow. So are you ever able to sing using your human face from b- within the cow's face? Oh, yeah. Of course, I can, I can do that. Do you want me to, I can separate? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, can, I can just use the human face. Yeah, sure, sure. Behind my face is another face And behind that face another more metaphorical face I'll stop you, I'll stop you there, Michael. Mm. Um... Mm. Your inner face has a very slight northern accent. That's fascinating, isn't it? It's a Manchester area. Yes, that's because of, weirdly, that's because of the cow ears. That, uh, that's changed my ear canal um, structure. They're, they're, they're differently weighted now on the inside. That factors back through up into the... Um, the, um, the um, <laughs> my, <laughs> That bit. That bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that creates a northern vibe, yeah. Yeah, great. Mm. I mean, those two voices, I mean, amazing to have two voices like that. I wonder, yes. c- can you ever get them to... Oh, to work together? A, yeah, a duet? Like a duet. I can. It involves a little bit of thinking. Uh, I have to concentrate for a moment, because I just have to... Hang on. I just have to separate my soft palate from my um, medial palate. I should be able to do it. Hang on. Behind my face is another face And behind that face another more metaphorical face Behind my face is another place Like an onion, unpeel me And then you'll see the real me A man without a cow stitched to his face Behind my face is another face And behind that face another more metaphorical face and behind that face and behind that face is another face yes 
behind that face and behind that face is another face it's another face and behind all that is my Wow. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, that took it out of you. Yeah, that really does. That's uh, it's an yeah. emotional. That was punch. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a shame in a way that once the cow's face is removed, mm. you, you won't be able to do that beautiful duet ever again. That is true. Uh, but on the other hand, the way I look at it is, uh, is that uh, I, I won't have a rotting cow's face on my face. Yes. So. Yeah, fair play. Mm. So, um, Bob, I wonder, can you just um, talk us through the procedure? Uh, you must have a plan of how you're going to go ahead with this. It's, it's complex. The, 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 the fundamental thing is that the, the nose really is the, is the kingpin of the face. Uh, you can't not have a nose in a face. What uh, happens if you don't have a nose? Everything will just slough off, fall onto the floor. Right. Um, it's like an anchoring force. Yeah, but I will need to release his inner nose uh, at some point, so there'll be a point where I will have to take that off and I'll have to put my own nose in his face <laughs> to play for time. But you, but then you, you won't have a nose then. I, well, yeah, then it's, obviously, I don't want my face sloughing off mid-operation, so then, that's why I've got an assistant in called Chloe, who, and I'll be, then, I'll be taking her nose and putting it in the middle of my face just for those critical few minutes. But then Chloe won't have a nose. Mm. I believe Chloe's actually here tonight. Yeah. Chloe, everyone! Uh, Chloe, hearing this, you're, you're going to have your nose taken off so that uh, mm. Bob can wear your nose and so his nose can be put on Michael's face. Are you still willing to be involved, having heard the, the ins and outs? Yeah, I'm actually quite excited about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, because the thing is, right, I've been trying an online date and one of the questions that keeps coming up is like, what's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? And mine has just gone to the Jorvik Viking Centre. <laughs> But, but now I, I can see that I've had a celebrity television vex nose on my face, or the other way around. I don't really get the logistics of it, but I am excited. <laughs> Great. Um, now, I don't know if Bob's let you know this, but I mean, without a nose yourself, you might, you might die, right? That, that's... Mm. There's a risk. Yeah. But, you know, that's why we had the form, Chloe. That's uh, why you signed the form. In the form, but also you said you'd give us three hundred and fifty pounds in vouchers. <laughs> in vouchers. Uh, on, online or high street? Cru cruise ship. They are cruise ship. Uh, there was There's a um, cruise that goes Gdansk to Uppsala, and um, well, it's a car ferry. It's a car ferry, really. Um, but you can use it. There's a sweet trolley in the canteen um, where you can redeem your vouchers. On one single occasion, you can't get change out of it. It has to be a single, but single this, purchase. The sweet trolley mm. on the cruise ferry the, the car, which from Gdansk yeah. to Uppsala. Yeah, but not the other way round. <laughs> Are there hot puddings? Very unlikely. It's a very poorly run uh, ferry company. <laughs> um. Well, I've not got much else in my life, so... Great. Well, well, Chloe, as long as you're, you're willing to go ahead with the, the procedure. I did sign the form. I did sign the form. You signed the form, sure. Well, um, I'd just like to say to both of you, to Bob, best of luck. Um, I think you're going to do a great job. Michael, thank you so much uh, for telling us about this. And I, thank you. I, I think we all wish you the best of luck. Um, because, obviously, next time I see you, we, next time we see you, you might not have a cow's face in your yep. face. Yeah. Or 
You might be dead. So it's, I might be uh, dead. I might be dead. Yep. Wow. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Michael Banyan. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, madam. Do you know what you'd like to order yet? Maybe. I have a question about these chef's specialities. Yes? Some fabulous dishes made by our chef. He's a real wizard with a crab. Okay, but what's he like at all the other stuff? Sorry, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, would you say he concentrates on the specialities to the detriment of the other dishes? No, I don't, I don't think so. Because if these dishes are their specialities, then it stands to reason that he is worse at making these other dishes. What are they like? Total dog shit? It's just a thing you put on the menu, isn't it? It's, it's like drawing your attention to these sumptuous crab dishes. But what if I don't want a crab dish? What if I want one of the other dishes that he has basically told us on this menu that he is proud to half arse? That's not what it means. But if you're worried, why don't you just order from the chef's speciality section? The crab tower comes highly recommended. I'm allergic to crabs. My neck smells up like the... My neck smells terrible. And it swells up like the soft bollock leather of a scrotum based vehicle airbag. Sorry, madam. Look, I used to be married to a chef, you know. Do you know what his speciality was? I don't know. Could he do a mean crab tower? No. His speciality was screwing my sister. Oh, dear. Sorry to hear that. Bring out the chef. I want to ask him about his specialities. Very well. Chef! Please, there's a customer who'd like to speak to you about your specialities. Hello, madam. As you well know, my speciality is sleeping with your sister. Barry! Mandy! I thought you were dead. No, we've been over this. I was just in the hospital. Same thing. Listen, I'm about to clock off. There's between 40 and 50 pints of milk in the kitchen that's about to hit its sell-by date. The manager wants to throw it all away, but my plan is to sit and drink it all until my liver bursts and I lose, lose consciousness. Would you join me? Yes. A thousand times, yes. Hang on. What's that? Oh, God, that car. He's careening towards the restaurant. Why isn't he stopping it? He's going to plow into all the crab towers. And also, we're going to die. Is that a leather windscreen? Why would you make a leather windscreen? No! The new Leather Prince by Mitchell's Trucks. If it's not Mitchell's Trucks, get back in the truck. But not that truck, the Mitchell's Truck. So, that's all we've got time for from the Great British Cattle Bazaar. But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now, where you can read all the latest beef and dairy news, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we try and fill a big yellow storage with piss. <laughs> so, until next time, beef out! <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, before we leave the stage, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we've run out of time. There's a little bit more to do, but we've run out of time. Um, thank you so much for coming. It's a real pleasure to see you all here. It's brilliant, and um, I'm so pleased you're here. And thank you for listening to the podcast. It's a real dream getting to do this. It's brilliant. And I just want to say, um, can we have a big round of applause for our singer, Sammy Graham? Oh, my God! <laughs> Nadia Kamal, Henry Fakir, 
Walker, Mike Wozniak, and David Cribb. And your old beat pal, Benjamin Partridge. that's never broke A beef is confusing like a child telling you a joke A beef is a feeling like a letter from a long lost friend And beef is a miracle like a successful stag weekend These four walls in sight and this old man never giving up the fight they can take away my liberty but they can't take away my dreams they can apply electric shocks to my balls but they can't take away my memory of being You're supposed to leave on this happens, but thank you, this is lovely. <laughs> thank you so much. These steel bars, no beefs in weeks. My poor soul, I feel like a freak. They can take away my liberty, but they can't take away my dreams. They can stick a power drill up my arse But they can't take away my memories of B 